You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, we are live with the Max Montoya. I'm talking wow. about it. the greatest guard in Bengal's history. Four-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowler. All AFC, all pro. I mean, this guy did it all in his NFL career. And he is on our show. Wow. And we are so honored to have you on the show, yes. Mr. Montoya. Thank you well, thank for joining you. us. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And we also, we have LA Bengals fan with us. Old school Bengals fan who has been following the team since its inception. And of course, our usual host, John Sheeran. And Dr. Hoji, the electric smoji. That's right. So we have a lot to cover today. We want to talk about Max and and how he came to be such a great player, his his career trajectory. Uh, We want to talk about what he's doing now. We want to talk about the the Bengals now and the the NFL now and all that kind of stuff. So first, uh, Mark, I know you had some questions for Max and about the Super Bowl runs. Uh, oh. yeah yeah how are you hey, max real honor to be with you today um you know you played for two completely different bengal teams while some of the personnel was the same the forrest greg team and the sam weiss team were completely different squads um was there one of the two styles that you preferred more you know i i really loved uh, the second super bowl with sam weiss and uh Bruce Coslett, uh, offensive coordinator, and those two guys with their minds, uh, we had a very dynamic offense uh, as compared to the first uh, Super Bowl in 81-82. In uh, that was more of a ground-and-pound Pete Johnson type of thing. And, and the second Super Bowl, uh, there was a, a lot going on. It was a lot of fun. You you actually lead right into my second question because I said, um, you know, let's talk about the Sam Weiss team. You're talking about one of the most innovative minds um, in football at the time. I mean, most people don't realize the Bills took our that blueprint and went to four Super Bowls with it. So you, everybody kind of credits, you know, Marv Levy, but this was all all Sam Weiss's innovations. Um, how much fun was it playing? I mean, all the different huddles and, you know, give us some insight on that. Like I said, it was so innovative, and, and it just seemed like week to week we would come up with different things. And, of course, uh, Sam White and, and uh, Bruce Coslett, offensive coordinator, they they were just so innovative. And, and just the sugar huddle and trying to catch the defense uh, off sides all the time, get a free five yards because uh, they had they were changing you know, nickel defense and we're going trying to keep them out of the nickel defense and we'd catch them with 12 guys on the field. So uh, those were easy five yards uh, penalties. Yeah. Was now wasn't the the sugar huddle, wasn't that initially called the cuddle huddle and you guys didn't like the name of it? It was. Uh, I I don't know who came up with it, but uh, probably Sam Sam with the cuddle huddle. I think right. And more of a sugar 
sugar huddle. We're trying to get them guys. To, and we're always watching the sidelines, the uh, the opposing team sideline, waiting for them to switch their nickelbacks coming in with maybe their specialized pass rusher. So as soon as they start running on, we'd, we'd go on the line. And uh, it was just set hut and boom, and we'd catch them off sides. Or, or yeah. Yeah. Okay. The uh, th now you you are one of the few people who's gotten to play in two different Super Bowls for two different coaches yeah. with the same team, but it, it was still. So what was the the different experiences? I think you kind of answered this, but the difference between the the Forrest Gregg in Michigan and then the uh, the Sam Weish in Florida Super Bowl experiences. Any anything notable or well, in terms of the preparation and the feel going into the games? Really, uh, the first Super Bowl, I was in my third year, so I was pretty young back then, and, and really uh, everything was kind of new and different, and, uh, you know, you're just uh, totally different. But uh, the second Super Bowl, of course, like I said, our offense was just high-powered. The first Super Bowl, we were more ground and pound, uh, had a decent defense, uh, really good ball control with Kenny Anderson, pinpoint accuracy uh, kind of passer. Uh, which made it a lot of fun. Chris Collinsworth was, I think, a rookie back then. Yes. Yeah, real good wide receiver, David Verser and a few other guys. But uh, but we had big Pete Johnson. And I think you a lot of people always remember we got stuffed on the goal line. Uh, big Pete ran like three times, and, of course, he can't jump. So uh, we couldn't no. stop with big Pete. Uh, and, and then I think we threw a little flare out to Jane. Uh, Charles Alexander got stuffed on the goal line too, so we got got shut out there. Yeah, and and it turns out there was only ten guys on the field, I think, for the Niners. But they had, uh, I think it was was it Hacksaw Reynolds that makes the tackle on Alexander. That's, That's right. uh, yeah, yeah. You you have the right guy in the right place, you can have six guys out there and they're going to make the tackle. So, yeah. but um, yeah, no. It's uh, how about the field going into the game? They, you guys had you know nightlife before you know Super Bowl week coming in. Did Sam kind of let you guys enjoy more? You know, and, and, and it was two totally different Super Bowls. The one up in Pontiac, Michigan, there was five feet of snow uh, up there. Of course, we played inside the Pontiac Silverdome, uh, but outside it was freezing cold or snow everywhere. There's really not much to do. Uh, when we're down in Miami, of course, you have, you know, uh, beautiful sunshine, uh, just a beautiful place. You're outside all the time. I think we even went uh, one time during the week we went deep sea fishing with a bunch of offensive line and maybe maybe boomers so stuff like that was kind of fun uh but then again you got to remember we, we had a game and you got to concentrate every day that we had practice yeah great so yeah yeah max i uh, i have a question for you so you know when you look at your longevity back before we had all the modern kind of techniques for for players uh prolonging their career i really if I if I remember I, I remember reading that you had the heart murmur your senior year of high school, yeah. and your football career was in jeopardy, it was. and you end and you end up making a Pro Bowl at age thirty seven. I mean that's the kind of longevity you had. I mean you know when you leave the Bengals, I mean uh, you know it was a business decision as I understand, but we wanted to keep you. But but you know maybe like with Whitworth they think okay this guy's thirty three thirty four. You go on and have five more excellent years with the Raiders, play 66 games. I mean, it's incredible for that era, you know, the 80s and the 90s is unheard of. So, right. so how, do you, how do you explain your, your preparation? Because, you know, Tom Brady has made a lot of money off of playing into his early 40s, and he's a quarterback. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, so he's a, you know, the athleticism and the grind of the offensive lineman back in those, I mean, you can make a lot of money. I just want you to know if you, if you share your diet secrets, maybe in a book for <laughs> or something. Oh, about that. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, I think I stayed pretty much not injury free, but, but serious injury free for most of my career really only had uh, one serious knee injury, a couple broken fingers or hands, you know, um, not a whole bunch, you know, I was pretty fortunate, uh, one bad back, uh, you know, other than that, pretty fortunate, didn't have any major serious injuries and, and just, just working at the game and, and enjoying the game, not only year to year, but week to week and, you know, enjoying the preparation and, and all that business. So, uh, you know, just being very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I know, uh, John, you wanted to ask him about, uh, coach McNally. Absolutely. I, there was an article about your offensive line coach a couple of weeks ago in the athletic and just talked about just the intricacies of his style and the way that he was kind of brought up into the role of, of the offensive line coach under Forrest Gregg. When you think of a uh, coach McNally, what's the, what's really the, what comes to mind in terms of just his coaching style and his innovative ways. And as a follow up after that, what do you think his impact on offensive line play looks like today? Oh, really good. Uh, when I think about Jim McNally, I think about, Number one, he's a little zany, a little nutty, a little crazy, uh, which makes it fun, but uh, quite a technician. Uh, he never played offensive line. He came up through, uh, I think he was a walk-on at uh, Buffalo, University of Buffalo. Mm -hmm. D. Lyman, little 5'11", probably 240, 250-pound uh, D. Lyman. So he never really played offensive line, uh, but he brought uh, a lot of technicalities to us. And... Uh, it just intrigued him on, on how how we worked and how things worked as an offensive lineman. And and it was kind of funny that uh, he, he would actually bring a tape measure out to practice and he would kind of crawl around our feet and we'd take little steps and he'd measure our steps. And, and it was like a little mouse running around big elephants. You know, it's amazing he never got stepped on. Uh, but, you know, we'd take six inch steps and if it was more than six inches, you're not doing it right. Or we'd take a kick step and very technical and, and i enjoyed that part of it too yeah it was it was absolutely different and like you know in, in the way that that he coached i think he kind of i don't, I don't want to say revolutionized the game but it, it definitely it, it worked well with with sam weiss's type of offensive style and, and, and the schemes that you were type of that you were starting to run and you know you know in the last 20 or so years or so like the, the value of offensive line play has increased exponentially it's not only just about the tackles anymore it's about about the guards, the position that you played. When you see now, like the uprise in value in guards, do you feel more validated at the because of the level of of play that you had back in the day when they weren't as valued as much? And do you feel a little bit jealous that they're now starting to get paid a lot like tackles more and more? No, and they should be. And I, I actually came in as an offensive tackle. Uh, I was at UCLA, played offensive tackle, was drafted as a tackle to the Bengals, and and through some injuries and so forth, my rookie year. They put me in at guard, and I never played guard before the interior, and uh, just had a knack for it. Uh, you know, and I enjoyed the uh, the aspect of pulling and trapping and and double checking linebackers and blitzes and different things that you have to do. I I really enjoyed that, but I I, I was more of a pulling type of guard, and and I was pretty good at it. I guess and I wasn't real fast, but I had some good quickness. That's absolutely true. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Max, a number of people have been asking about, uh, you know, your restaurant, because a lot of people, they didn't get to see you play, they're younger, but they, they know your presence with the, the, uh, the, the pen subs and the, 
Montoya's restaurant, the, the, your Mexican restaurant, I don't know if it's still open or not. Yeah, but, yeah uh, still open, still doing it. Uh, gosh, we, we opened that in 1985 or something. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah, I had yeah. back then, and, and uh, yeah, it, uh, it's still going. And, and then I, when I retired, uh, I knew I wanted to stay in the food business, so I went right into the Penn Station East Coast sub thing that we have here in, in Cincinnati and, and Northern Kentucky is where we're at. Uh, it's a Philadelphia cheese steaks and teriyaki fries, you know, fresh cut fries and all that business. So good it's food. Incredible. Good oh, stuff. I know. I know. And I mean, it's just, I compare again, no offense, but I, when I compare to Tom Brady and they say he's never even had a strawberry, but you know, oh, really? and again, yeah. And I look at, I look at your longevity and I look, and I really, it gives me encouragement about my own diet, you know, cause I'm like, you know, I can really, you know, I can have the Philly cheese steak and, my career it's a little different not as physically demanding yeah you know yeah. you know with the, the the hosting the show yeah but you know I, I feel like maybe my longevity you know with with the uh, i think you're gonna go a long time being a muppet uh, you don't look like you've aged thank you no really i haven't no so i think it's pretty good yeah i appreciate that but you know Max, i just want to say when we're talking about the the restaurants i just want to say from the bottom of my heart you got offered the, you got a lot of money from the Los Angeles Raiders to go home. Yeah. But you decided to keep your family in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area and you knew you were coming back and you're right. still there and you're dedicated and you you helped build the city with your wonderful presence. I just want to say thank you on behalf of me and all the fans for you know your love for the city and the team. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a great, it's been a great experience. And, you know, we, we both, my wife and I, we grew up in Southern California and, and really loved it out there. And then playing with the Raiders too in LA and got to play in front of our, our family and friends and such. That was a great experience, but, but we just really, uh, really enjoyed the uh, Cincinnati, the tri-state area and, and just the quality of life that they have out here. So it's been good. Plus we got to yeah. live next to the Zargars, uh, Dr. Zargar uh, there in Villa Hills, Kentucky. So, so I remember those good times. Yeah, I mean, I remember they used to tell us about how they, uh, you know, they weren't very good at the mowing the lawn. And, yeah. you know, sometimes it would get, go down the hill. And they were oh, fortunate yeah. enough to live next to an offensive lineman who could drag the riding lawnmower out, of the, out, out of the hill. Dr. Zargar was a brilliant uh, doctor. But he wasn't so good at gardening and cutting grass, and especially on the hillside. And, no, and he was not. Yeah, <laughs> it made it made it interesting. Yeah, I don't know if he if if you moved there first or he did, but maybe it was strategic. You know, trying to move next offensive lineman, knowing he would need the help. You know, yeah, that's right, and vice versa. Him being a doctor might have might help me also. But uh, but yeah, we we had a good relationship, and it was a lot of fun living next to Doctor Zargar and the and the boys. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, I know. I know. Hoji has a question. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Uh, first of all, Max, Mr. Matoya, it's such an honor to have you on the show. What a big deal for us, really. Uh, I wanted to say uh, you blocked for a lot of the the great uh, the greats: uh, Archie Griffin, Pete Johnson, Icky Woods. Uh, yeah. You got your James Brooks, Bo Jackson, and of course Marcus Allen. So, of course, we know that most running backs, you know, they they need a, a great line to be successful. But sometimes a running back can help make the line even greater. So I'm yeah. thinking about your, your, your Corey Dillon, for example, in, in 1997. What do you, what do you think, uh, how do you frame the current situation with getting, getting someone like, let's say, Joe Mixon back? How, that seems to be very important, wouldn't you say, for the, for, for oh, yeah. yeah, you could expand on that. 
AJ Green, uh, you've got to have some some tools out there. Yeah. You know, Joe Burrow's coming in. He's going to be a, a rookie. That's of course a Heisman Trophy winner, number one pick. And yeah. But still, when you come to the NFL, it's a whole different ball game than college. And and it's great that he's got some weapons out there with, with the Nixon or the Mixon rather. <laughs> Nixon, yeah. Mixon. Uh, yeah, and A.J. Green, thank goodness he's coming back and a few other guys. So hopefully their offensive line, though, you've got to have boys up front. If you don't have an offensive line, he's going to be running for his life. What, what, and, and if I could follow up on that, because I actually that was my next question. So yeah. I know it's hard sometimes to, to take things down to one thing. But if you had to, the essence of a great offensive line, the essence, one thing, what is it? Mm. Boy. You've got to have cohesiveness between the five guys. Yes. I always think of it as a fist. You know, you've got five, here we go, five guys, and they got yeah. to come together like a powerful fist. And that's what make a, makes a great offensive line. You don't all have to be number one draft picks. In fact, when we had the number one offense in the NFL in the late 80s, uh, I was a seventh rounder. Uh, Joe next next to me, uh, he was, uh, I think, a seventh or eighth. Bruce Kozerski, Bruce Reimers was yeah. a six-round picker. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you, you just got to have some guys that truly love what they're doing and a good and a heck of a coach, Jim McNally. You know, yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Max, so you Go. talk about the – yeah, you talk about the offensive line, uh, you know, and that, that's true. I, I, I want to talk about our offensive line because the Bengals management believes in that, you know, even though there, there is a bit of – question mark you know uh but there's some guys that are solid that we know and there's some guy you know we get jonah williams back and there's some you know guys we don't know we don't know My, michael jordan could be a starter maybe not you know uh Suofilo could be uh, fred johnson we, we're still figuring it out but i i want to ask you this you yeah. played with ken anderson yeah. who was one of the top rushing quarterbacks you know a couple of years and you played with boomer who bought time with his play fakes right yeah, yeah. And well, Burrow. You had, had a heck of an offensive uh, running game, too. You got to have yeah, to, yeah. That, to fool the defense with your play fakes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and Joe Burrow now, yeah. uh, this guy is just brilliant at evading would be, uh, uh, you know, sackers and pass rushers and whatnot. Yeah. He's just so brilliant at it. Yeah. And, and so even if the offensive line is not there yet, do you think with a guy like Burrow, do you think, you know, that will help him transition and, and he will? not get rattled or gun shy or those kind of a things. That, that's a big, big question mark, getting gun shy. Uh, Cause then you start seeing ghosts, you know, you start thinking you're going to get hit from one side or the other. Uh, you know, he might be good at avoiding, avoiding a couple rushes, but you can't live on, on that. Uh, you've got to be able to uh, trust your people out front and trust your, your wide receivers to make the bright breaks and to be open. And you got to have decent running game to keep the, defense on us so it all goes hand in hand you just have to have a a good team to put it all together but you got to have a great leader and that's what i love about joe burrows he seems to be a great leader and yeah. he can make things happen much like uh, joe montana did to us in the super bowls and throughout his career he just made things happen very much so mm -hmm. yeah and max and you know really we look at burrow we see that kind of montana type potential yeah and Really, I, I you know I, I think uh, don't, for you and the Bengals legends, how important would it be for them to finish the job that you guys have started? Because you guys got so close twice. I mean, 
when they talk about Super Bowl history and the greatest games and the closest games, or they talk about the greatest teams that you know should have won the Super Bowl, it's you guys. Yeah. 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 And so, so you know, your champions in our hearts. It's just a game, and the game could go either way, you know. But I mean, the how, men were underdogs in the, yeah. in the second one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how important is it for you and those Bengals legends? You know, uh, I'm thinking of the guys that you know we knew when we were there, or you know, and uh, how important is it for you to see Burrow, a guy like him, a true winner, finish the job? Sure. And, and I think he might be the guy to, to take him to to the world championship but uh but i'd like to see him just win a, a playoff game for number one you know i don't want yeah. to back old stuff but uh we got to win a playoff game and then advanced because uh, it's like two different seasons you know you you play 16 regular game seasons yeah. and then you play the next season which is the playoffs and it's a uh, game by game and it's one and done so you got to take care of business yeah yeah for sure uh, guys, you have more questions. I have one final question. If you have other questions for Joe, please, uh, for, 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 sorry, for Max, please go ahead. Yeah, yeah I have one. I, and it's just going to try to, you know, we're dealing with the fan base right now that a big majority of them have never seen a playoff win. Um, and I keep trying to tell people on my show, hey, this is a process. Yeah. Um, can you draw, see the parallel between, because you were on a team that kind of ended and then rebuilt and then came back to the second Super Bowl in the same decade. And can you see that kind of transition going on right now with the building pieces, you know, as we move from a from a Andy to Joe and from a Lewis to Taylor kind of regime? I mean, I see those pieces being built and that's why I'm so optimistic about the future. Yeah, yeah, I am optimistic too. I I came in uh, to the Cincinnati Bengals in 1979, and that first year in '79, we were uh, four and twelve. We were not very good. In fact, we we're pretty bad. The next year, my second year, I think we were six and ten, and then the year after that, we went to the Super Bowl. So that I can see that progression going on with these these guys, the nucleus of guys, and then now the addition of, of Burroughs coming on. Uh, which hope, hopefully he'll be a great quarterback and lead them uh, to a Super Bowl champion. Uh, but, you know, the guys with the new coach and players and the old players, they got to buy into the new coaching style and the direction that the coach has taken them. So uh, so I think with that, you know, it's a chemistry type thing that you have uh, and they can go, you know, I feel very optimistic about this. Okay, uh, guys, uh, John, any final questions? Uh, yeah, I just had just a quick one. Uh, a couple of years ago, the Bengals had their all 50th anniversary team squad. You were obviously named to as one of the greatest players in franchise history. Did you come down to Cincinnati to be a part of those uh, festivities that year? In fact, it was a great thing, and, and I wish the Bengals would do more of that. Right. Uh, they did have a big celebration of the top 50 guys, and uh, I was very uh, humbled to be, uh, I think I was like number 13 or something. I forget what it was. Uh, but it was kind of nice to be voted in there. And, and then they had all the top 50 guys there and, and introduced everybody. And like I said, uh, Cincinnati is a great place and it's a great uh, sports town. And, and uh, the Bengal fans just love the players and the old guys. And, and it was quite an honor. That's exactly right. Like the fans want more of, of that recognition of, of past players and, and legends of the team. And like like you were kind of alluding to, it, it, it would be nice if the, if the players had that recognition in itself. So I'm not trying to put you on the spot and like, and like call out the management or anything like this. But is, is that like a common just like kind of a, a desire for former players to have maybe not a ring of honor, but more occasions like that where you're honoring past players like that? 
Well, you know, I, I do like the ring of honor idea. You know, I, I think as a player, as an old player, you know, we gave our blood, sweat and tears for, for the city and, and the organization. And, and for those players that, that did that and excelled very well in the NFL, I think it's a great thing, not only for the players, but for the fans, because uh, the fans are fantastic. And like you guys and, and the people that listen in to our broadcasts and everything else and, and the reminisce and everything, uh, it's, it's a great thing. I think that it's a tradition that should be carried on. And, and uh, you know, I hate to say it, but, but I finished my last five years with the Raiders and uh, they're kind of like that. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Max, uh, I, I think, Hoji, do you have any final question? Uh, if you don't mind. No, uh, please. It's more because I want to end on, on a really high note. And, and I was thinking about uh, what, what Super Bowl 23 meant for a lot of us, not just Bengals fans, but people. People don't remember that right. Super Bowl 23 was, was the beginning of the really big Super Bowl halftime show. I'm talking about your Harleys, your dancers with the, with the huge playing cards, the Elvis Presto. The show was broadcast in, in the, the halftime show was broadcast in 3D. I think you mentioned once, Mr. Matuya, that uh, your biggest memory of the, of the game was that uh, Diana Ross sang the national anthem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Was so, so I wonder, like, like, what is the best memory you have from Super Bowl 23? 23. Wow. Best memory. Uh, you know, I, I think just my family and friends were, were there and my yeah. kids, they were young at that time. They might have been five or six years old at that time. And just them guys enjoying all the experience of that stuff. Uh, yeah. As a player, it's great to go in there and, and play, uh, you know, especially coming out before kickoff, you come out of the tunnel and, you know, it's the Super Bowl. Uh, but I think just enjoying that with, with all your family and friends is a big deal. Thank you. Pretty cool. Yeah. Good yeah. Well, yeah. But, but I just want to, I read something on your Wikipedia page about um, you are training horses in Hebron, Kentucky. Is that, is that true? We do. We, uh, I got into to driving horses actually competitively. And I don't know who puts all that stuff on Wikipedia. Yeah. Crazy. I think it's that. <laughs> it is. Well, it could yeah. it, it be. But uh, yeah, we, we got into it. My daughter actually rode horses. Of all places, she started taking lessons when we were playing for the L.A. Raiders. And she took lessons with Patty, my wife, up uh, up there in L.A. And then she carried that on when we came back to, to Northern Kentucky and started riding competitively and, and was very successful with that. And then my wife and I, we said, well, you know, when she goes to college and she kind of rode for U University of Kentucky and everything. And we thought, well, let's do something we can, we can, and I don't know why, but I know I didn't want to ride a horse. I'm too big. So I thought I'd just start driving and, and it's been a lot of fun. Well, yeah. we have to thank Mr. Montoya for giving us so much of his time. Yeah. It's yeah, been thank so awesome. You. It's great to see yeah. you guys. Yeah. You, all a, you didn't look like, like that when you were little kids. No, no, we've grown no. in yeah, odd yeah. ways. Beard, a mustache. Yeah, yeah, we had to, we had to get the, the, the mustache installed. Lot of hormone therapy, lot of hormones to get us yeah. to this point. But Max, you by the way, I mean everybody knows you look fantastic as always. I mean, you know, uh, Nancy Brown, Mike Brown's wife, was right. I mean, she she supposedly had a poster of you. She was trying to hide from Mike Brown. I read, you know, because <laughs> she was so infatuated. With fine, you. fine yeah. wine. That's a rumor, I think. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah. also uh, Forrest Gregg's wife kind of liked uh, Anthony Munoz. She might have. Oh man. Oh, I just, I mean, I don't, I don't want to, 
I don't know. I know you leaving the Bengals was a financial thing, but I just wonder if Mike Brown was maybe jealous. I don't know what was going on. It was a very. Maybe that's why you let me go. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I but You're brilliant. But but you look great. You look great, and like all offensive linemen, I think the only athletes you know who get in better shape. I don't want to say better shape, but you know healthier. You know for the long term. Have, you know. when, when the NFL guys retire, all the skinny, good-looking guys get fat, and all the fat, ugly guys get kind of thin. And It works out. Better looking. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you look like that. Thin. Well, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to that diet, Max. I'm going to stick you, to your diet. Yeah. You Philly cheesesteaks? Penn Station. Sure. Yeah. Cheesesteaks. And Montoya's, by the way, was a fantastic restaurant when I was there. Authentic. Yeah. Down, you know, it's very great service. It's very comfortable environment. If you haven't been to Montoya's, definitely go. Yeah. You will love it. You will love it. Great experience. So, Max, uh, thank you so much for your time, and we hope to have you again on the show, if possible, if you have the time later. Yeah. And thank you when, for watching. When the, when the Bengals yeah. the playoffs, and we're looking for that that big playoff win to start their uh, their next. Great dynasty, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll bring you back if it's okay. We'll bring you back on the show when that happens. Absolutely. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. And thank you for watching. And we will see you next time. It's VP. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you. More to dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.